Thank you for tuning in to Far Better, where we look to be pleasing to God in this life, so our eternity is far better. I'm your host, Michael Clark, and as always in the show notes, we have included our social media links and our email. If you'd like to leave us an episode idea, a comment, a suggestion, we'd love to see that done in our email. And of course, you can follow us on Twitter and Instagram and Facebook, and we'll have updates and other things posted there. In our last episode, we talked about explaining humility, and we let Jesus do all of the explaining, and that's really the way it should be. And today, I want us to talk about Jesus' example. Jesus lived a humble life, but he had a humble ministry as well. Jesus didn't just say what humility was. He lived it. And you and I must follow in that example in the ways that we know how. He truly embodied the lifestyle of a humble servant. Now, how did he know that? And how did he do it? I want to submit to you today that he did it in three ways. The first way that he did it, he knew his role. He knew his role. When I study Philippians, I find an incredible passage of Scripture in chapter 2, verses 5 through 9, where it says, Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. And then it goes on to tell me that Jesus was in the form of God, and he willingly took an act of a servant to complete the will of God. He gave himself and his power in order to accomplish God's will. I want you to think about something for a minute. We typically talk about Philippians 2, verses 5 through 9, but we need to remember verse 4. Let each of you look out not only for his own interests, but also the interests of others. Let this mind be in you. I find it amazing that almost every time I've preached on this passage, I have neglected verse 4. And that's an embarrassing thing to admit, I guess. This mind from verse 4 was also in Christ Jesus. He didn't care about him himself. Have you ever stopped to think about what Jesus had as the Son of God living and dwelling in heaven? Have we ever stopped to really consider what he had to give up? The text literally says that he was equal with God and didn't consider that robbery. What does that mean? One of my former instructors, who's actually, in all honesty, a big inspiration of why I'm doing this podcast, Don Walker would tell us that This idea of robbery means he didn't feel it was out of place. He wasn't stealing when he would state that he was God. In fact, the American Standard Version would say he didn't count the being on an equality with God a thing to be grasped. You know what that says? Jesus didn't just surrender his rank when he came to this earth, but he surrendered himself. Now that doesn't mean that Jesus gave up his essence now. Hebrews 2, 9 through 14 tells me that's not the case. But he looked at being on an equal playing field with God. John 1, 1 through 3, right? Tells me that Jesus was present at creation, was absolutely instrumental in it. 
And he had all of that going for him in heaven with the Lord, and he gave it all up. For who? For you. For me. For everyone else in this world that is seemingly apathetic and doesn't care, but Jesus cared so much about us that he took on the form of a servant and took a role that wasn't originally his role so that we could be saved. If that's not humility, in example, I don't really know what is. Jesus was an individual who had everything going for him, and he gave it all up because of me, because of you. But that's not all Jesus did. He came to this earth, and like we talked about in the last episode, he, he didn't have this mentality that he was going to take the importance over the Father and he was going to be better than God. But he did come to this earth with the same servant mentality. That's shown in John 13. Now, I'm going to give you a little bit of an insight to me. I don't like feet. I don't like my own feet. I'm just not, not a feet guy. And I can't imagine doing what Jesus does in John 13 where he stoops down and takes off the sandals of his disciples and washes their feet. What would you do if you were one of the twelve and that was happening? What would you think? Would you, like Peter, tell him that that's not what's going to happen? You're not going to wash my feet. You know, when you study the history of shoes and things of that nature in that time period, feet would be a nasty and disgusting part of the body because they didn't have cars and they didn't have... A, a lot of people didn't even ride on the backs of donkeys or camels or, or horses or anything of that nature. They walked where they were going. And they didn't have the shoes that we have today. And they didn't have the paved roads. And so as they walked, they're kicking up this dust. And it's beginning to cake onto their feet. And I would imagine, after a long day of walking, it would look pretty disgusting. And Jesus stoops down, their master their Lord, their teacher, he stoops down and washes their feet. The master is willing to serve the servants. And isn't this a glorious picture of what the cross is going to end up being? Because another way that Jesus lived a humble life as a minister and shows this humble ministry 
is his willingness to die. In Luke 22, I'm reminded of the passage of Scripture where Jesus is in the garden and he's getting ready to die. The time is now coming that he's been working towards the entire 33 years of his life. It's time to die. And the hour is getting closer and closer. And the realization is setting in for Christ that that's what's happening. And he's praying in the garden. And what is his prayer? But that the cup will be taken away from him. I've heard some suggest that Jesus wanted to die on the cross. I don't think that's the right way to put that. According to this passage, he didn't want to die the way he was going to die because he continued to pray even more earnestly. But he was willing to. And I think at times that's the difference between Jesus and even some of our Christians today. We want to say that we're good Christians. We want to say that we follow Christ, but we're not willing to do the things that are not pleasant. And when I compare the things that we say aren't pleasant to the cross, isn't it laughable? Well, I couldn't do that. You want me to you want me to count the members that come in and keep the attendance record? That that's beneath me. Oh, my life is horrible. You want me to teach a Bible class? I'm just not able to do that. That's not in my wheelhouse. Jesus could have said in this moment, dying on the cross is not in my wheelhouse. I'm not going to do it. And we wouldn't be saved. Instead, Jesus decided, I'm going to do the thing I don't want to do, I'm not comfortable doing, is not pleasant to do, but will benefit others by my doing it. I know of a lot of people who have an attitude of, I'll do it. I'm not very good at it. I don't think I would do well with it, but I'll do it. I'll serve. I'll do whatever it takes. That's a humble attitude. And that's what Jesus has. He's willing to die. That's the ultimate example of humility. To set aside your own life for others. I love my life. I've got a beautiful wife and a beautiful son. Great family. Great friends. A great job. I love my life. And I don't want to just give it up for anybody. And that's a hard thing to put myself in that position to think. If someone was about to die, would I jump in front of the bullet? Or would I jump in front of them and push them out of the way? Would I do the things that are necessary to save their life, even if it means killing mine? Jesus did. He could have said... These people have disobeyed and rejected you and me, God. 
and your great blessings that you've promised them. Why should I do anything to help them? Wouldn't that be what we deserve? Wouldn't that be what we have coming to us? Romans 3.23 tells me that everyone has sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Everyone that reaches that accountable age, they sin. They transgress the law. And according to Adam and Eve, the punishment of sin is death. But instead, Jesus Christ brought me life. I can't imagine that. That is the grace and humility of Jesus being shown in the greatest possible way. So let's talk about these three things as it applies to us. Do we understand our role? Do we have a higher view of ourselves than we should? Maybe we need to take it down a peg. Maybe we need to understand that all of us are servants and we're not above getting down and washing the feet of our disciples, of our fellow individuals. We can do the dirty jobs, the things that aren't pleasant, because we're a Christian and because Christ did the ultimate job that was unpleasant. He died. Can't I vacuum the floors? Can't I teach a Bible class? Can't I be willing to lead singing or lead a prayer or do any of the other things that I might be unwilling to do or you might be unwilling to do? Because Jesus did the worst possible thing that could happen to him so that you could have hope of eternal life. So why don't we do everything we can to please him now? And follow his humble ministry and his example of ministry in our own lives. We'll be better for it. You're not doing something wrong if you're following the life of Jesus. Who according to Isaiah 53 had no sin or guile found in him. You and I won't be perfect, but we can imitate one who is. That's all a part of pleasing God now. Won't you do it? Won't I do it? I want to thank you for tuning in with us today on Far Better. As always, our links are down in the show notes, and we would love for you to be following us or commenting and keeping up with us and telling us things that you'd like us to be considering and doing. In our next episode, I want to ask the true question of whether you and I measure up to Jesus' humility. Do we measure up? I hope you and I will please God now so that our eternity is far better.